0: The part that's below the Hutch that kind of pinches off a little bit. I don't.
1: I don't
2: have the map up.
0: Let's see if I can get
1: it. Is it on the like southeast side of the road? Isn't there like a highway that cuts it in half? Yeah, the Hutch. Yeah, yeah, the Hutch River oh, Parkway goes right through it. I figured that a Hutch was another name for a building.
2: Oh, so, oh. no, that's oh, the hut That's the
0: Hutchinson
3: yeah. River Parkway.
0: Yes. Oh, <laughs> you upstater, <are> you. <laughs>
3: While while they're looking that up, Jamin, how how many times do you get down to FDR or Kisco in a given year?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm always at um, Kisco. I haven't missed it yet. And I think I'm like five or six in a row for FDR and I wouldn't miss it for anything. Um, but besides that, in a, in a normal year, um, before you guys started doing events in the summer, I would go down there a few times before April, normally for team challenge or something like that and then not after that cuz i've always just heard the tales of how bad fdr is in the summer
3: for the amount of distance you're traveling i think that's wise for locals though worst cases you play like the yellow front and then the white front you know what i mean or yellow yeah you can it's very rare and you can get around it but i can understand the you know a little bit of skepticism especially after the holidays
1: yeah but no i love fdr i, I try to get everybody up here down there
0: to play it
3: there have been full years where I'll play three rounds at Kisco, the classic, and then half of the turkey drop.
0: I mean, in the capital district, you guys have more land. You have more um, counties that are, you know, it sounds like coming to Kenji with, <laughs> please, please build us a course. Yeah, Kenji's so we'll- like,
2: please hold. Please
1: hold. Please hold.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Disc cap, how can I help you?
1: <laughs> well, so... Jack, how much does an acre cost in Westchester?
2: <laughs> uh, I, I, you know,
1: I, I, I don't know. How many zeros are on it? Do you think? <laughs> Everything's
2: fortune here. In, in, in every hectare of land here, it's all a fortune. There's no room to build anything else. Yeah, it's 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 just two different animals. And you know, to get somebody to give up acres of land for this, it's not out there. Long Island, this you know, has the same same exact problem. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I mean, I I don't want to head Jamin off, but, like, Discap's got, like, you know, failing golf courses that call him every five minutes saying, can you come do something here?
0: Well, that's not
1: exactly true.
0: <laughs> uh, call me a so liar. Jeremy, <laughs> yes. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. So just for, for context, I'm on Zillow because we got the crack research team here. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> the The only plot of land that I can find on Zillow that is... Man, south of White Plains right now, 2.2 acres, 900K. And it looks yeah. like an abandoned cemetery.
1: Yeah, so if, if you they were to spend— They didn't move the
3: bodies! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if
1: you were to spend $900,000 on land in Washington County, you'd get about 1,000
3: acres. Washington County. <laughs>
1: yeah! <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'd get the entire town of Salem. Yeah.
3: Okay. For
1: Sale <laughs> County barely used. Yeah. Uh, so by all shit's creek. <laughs> I just finished that the other day. Oh, so good. Very good. So, yeah, such a good show. But anyways, back to the actual question. Um, <laughs> yeah. So honestly, right now I'm working on four different courses. I'm designing another one right now that's going to be a little nine-hole course that's on a cross-country skiing place. But there are other places that I know that if I asked them if they wanted a course, they'd say yes. Um, So everybody has land up here that they want to use for stuff. One of the things that we have a lot of up here is these big mountains that they're operating on the idea that winters are going to continue to get shorter and they need to diversify. So um, disc golf is a huge part of that for basically everybody. They all look over at Smugs and see what they've done and said, oh, I want some of that, too. And, you know, there are large resort mountains up here. but. Yeah. Towns really want disc golf. um, But what I'm working towards is trying to get them to pay for it as well. Uh. On a lower level, I'm really conscious up here of trying to design within an ecosystem because we have so many opportunities that it's totally possible to take a course and only make a red layout you know, make an 18-hole red layout instead of putting three T's on one hole because we don't need to because there's going to be another course somewhere nearby that can be the white course in the area. Two of the courses I'm working on are six miles away from each other kind of thing. Yeah. So not straining anybody more than they'd be comfortable with and still having that same idea of having a red layout and a white layout very nearby. Obviously not nearly as close as within the same hole, but yeah, everything is just very different and we are getting almost too many people who want courses. There's a lot of that. But DISCAP's model is also very different from Wedge's. DISCAP's motto is more baskets. And the way that I see that is DISCAP and the board, which I am not actually a part of, so I could be totally wrong, enabling everybody to go out and try to get those courses in the ground, which, in my opinion, leads to a demand problem. There's, we've got plenty of land. We've got plenty of places that need. Courses And that's the supply, but we don't have people to design them necessarily or, or enough volunteers to maintain or build most of them.
2: Mm. I will say that probably every seventh golfer does believe that they're a disc golf course designer. And so you should have plenty of people for that.
1: Well, oh, they absolutely <laughs> are. And I, I count myself within those
0: ranks. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. I, 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 I think you're, no, you're that's better different. than
2: me. That's different. <laughs> so. Jamin, that's absolutely because I I absolutely regard you as a student of design. What that means in in the simplest terms is you know why you're doing what you're doing. And I think it extends beyond that. And you know it does too. You are studying aspects of course design. And the every seventh disc golfer who thinks that they're a disc golf course designer just knows what they like. This is a great place for a tee. That's a great place for a pin. And I think you can get lucky that way. Yeah, sometimes.
1: (laughs) Broken clocks, right, twice a day.
2: Right, sure. That doesn't extend over a course. And it's also, like I said, simply not what the sport deserves. You know, there was a stretch where somebody gets a town to say, okay, and they shoot 19 pins up into space and they turn the space shuttle upside down and drop them. And if they all hit the course, we'd all be pretty happy. Those would be great holes. Uh, Yeah. And, the sport deserves more, and the, the sport deserves more than... I mean, look, the guy I'm talking about drives into the parking lot, and he says, oh, that's where that's where one has to be, because <laughs> it's close to the parking lot. And obviously, 18 has to be somewhere near here, and the pin for nine should be somewhere near here, because I want to get a beer after playing nine, and that's <laughs> going to make the pad for 10 have to be over here. And uh, now you've just made four shitty holes, probably.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think one of, whenever I'm talking to people who are interested in course design, one of the first things I say is don't be precious. You're never going to find a hole that is so out of this world spectacular that you should ruin the rest of the course for it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm giving away a trade secret by saying that a thing that John does is he dives into the land and... I'm going to get around to what you're saying at the, at the very end of this, because it's, uh, it's a philosophy is he, he dives into the land and, and he'll go make the three or four, maybe even five best possible holes on a land, independent of routing completely. He'll go make four great holes, three great holes. And the philosophy of his that, that lines up with, with yours is kill your darlings. You have to be willing to kill off a hole or two holes. make a course work. So he might start with four or five of the best holes on the course and then continue to design around that. And routing is one of the last concerns that he has. And it's in that routing phase that conceivably, you know, one of those great holes could fall by the wayside because you do have to route the course.
1: Absolutely. It still needs to make sense.
2: (laughs) Right. Now, he is always going to, I believe, choose the long walk over the inferior hole, does that make sense? Absolutely,
0: and I think that that's perfectly fine, provided that navigation is adequate.
1: Right? Exactly. Yes. So one of the things that I like about Wilcox is that occasionally there's a really annoying walk because it it shows that that Dan was like this hole is good enough to keep within it, and it'd rather inconvenience the person a little bit on their walk rather than yeah. make yep. a less good hole. Absolutely. All of which by saying,
2: not everybody has a hundred courses under their belt or 60 courses or whatever it is. And I don't think that that should limit your ability to practice design. What I do think is that you ought to have a vocabulary to talk about it and you ought to be a student of design, you know, and, or you ought to be practicing it, you know, in a fashion that doesn't impact tens of thousands of golfers potentially over the course of a year, you know?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. The reason that, I really got going with course design is cause um in the summer I work on my dad's hay farm. So I spend hours driving in circles on a tractor designing courses.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sure you guys are all like me where you're going hiking or you're driving down a road and you see like a park or something and a couple of trees, you're just like, oh. A oh the basket yeah. should be there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
2: <laughs> right, and somewhere on your daily drive or, or even you know, just drives to and from places that there are some parks or, or some big pieces of land that just pain me to drive by. Just
0: pain me because right. there's oh, a oh yeah,
1: basket. highway medians go- are so
0: underused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally unrelated, but we have a we have breaking news um, on the Kenji front. <gasps> yes, he has named his dog. Ooh. <laughs> New puppy's name is Louie the Lover. Louie the Lover. Louie the Lover. It's not like a like a 40s tune. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it does sound like a Chubby Checker tune yeah. <laughs> or something, right? <laughs> what were you hoping to get done tonight, Pat?
3: <laughs> I do have nine holes if you would uh, like do that now.
2: Let's sure. Get that shit.
3: All right. Well, uh, why don't you pick a hole there? Just, uh, focus on the front nine first, and then if we got time, maybe okay. we'll hit a back nine.
2: Let's start us off uh, right, right here, right here near the
3: parking lot at hole one. Is Paul Macbeth's contract good for disc golf?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
3: we're not, not getting a... off hole one tonight, then.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say. Does it stifle competition by bankrupting
1: discraft? I would say no. I mean, they just signed a bunch of players again this year.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I, it's good for Paul. I think it's good for Paul. Uh, yeah. I don't know, people seem excited about it. Maybe that's good for, di- for disc golf. I'll say
1: I've heard more disc golf talk from non-traditional disc golf entities over this than I've heard of anything else. I actually heard it on my on the ESPN radio that I listened to on the way home the other day.
0: There's also a uh, Guardian article about it. Yeah, yeah I, I saw, saw that. that too. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's... That's pretty significant. So I, yeah. I I appreciate the fact that um, you know they wanted to get those two digits. And sure, if you have to make it a ten-year term to get it, sure. <laughs> uh, I think I think this is one of those contracts where you think like, is the term too long? I think like the New York Rangers signing Chris Kreider for a seven-year deal, you know, would have been better on a five-year. But that's, ex- you know. that's exactly what I was thinking as I watched him <laughs> throw a
2: disc in the pond for double bogey this morning. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think only time can tell on that. I do think that it might be a little bit long. I mean, his contract is going to be up when he's 40.
2: Hmm. And, and that, I imagine, is when Discraft might have the money to pay the balance of it.
1: <laughs> I, I will say I haven't looked into his contract at all, so I don't know the nitty gritty of it. But if a lot of that number is coming from what he's already making, it probably isn't a significant leap from what he was already doing.
0: Yeah, so to me, it's unclear exactly what is salary, what is royalties from disc sales, mm-hmm. what are performance bonuses. I would assume that at least a big part of that is guaranteed; otherwise, they wouldn't have put the the figure out there. So I, I'm actually not sure. And actually, and I know we were kind of talk about this over the text, but I read somewhere that he sold about a quarter of a million discs with his name on it. Which, you know, if you think of revenue, and I guess we got to think of wholesale, not Retail, right, right, and we don't know what a disc costs to make. Yep, right. So it's it's difficult to understand what the actual profit is on those. But I think that it's it's likely pretty warranted. So this this is the know. thing.
2: All these questions that you're posing are, are the things that make it impossible for me to answer the question. To answer, right, and yep. nobody's disclosing any details about their contracts. Probably because they're not allowed to. Probably because competition is the last thing that these manufacturers want between their sponsored players. But yeah, you just don't know. You don't know what it's worth. You don't know how it's getting paid out. You you can't attach any metrics to it. I, I don't see how I'm supposed to glean anything out of any of it. Like I said up front, I think it's generating excitement, and that's probably good overall for disc golf.
1: I think that the fact that they're talking about it in, in some sort of number at all is a big jump forward for all the other pros. So I think in that aspect, it's going to help a lot.
2: Yeah, I think everybody that uh, has friends who don't know anything about disc golf, but they know that you're into it. I think just about everybody's gotten a message from somebody saying, hey, <laughs> yep. yeah, hey. I yeah. heard
0: about this. Uh, are crazy you are, are you this good? Board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I just read that Macbeth makes, uh, used used to make four bucks per disc mm-hmm. on the on anything with his name on it. Wow! And so this is a restructure of that deal. Yep. So he's likely getting less, but apparently that that ten million is guaranteed. Huh. Yep. Awesome.
1: You know, the best way to have the power in any negotiation is to make sure that um, other people don't know what's going on. So. In that aspect, all the manufacturers have always had the power negotiating with any of any pros for their contract. So I think that Paul's starting to talk about it. This is his second contract now that that we've known the details about. I think that's the trend that's gonna really help give the pros a little bit more power, for better or for worse. I don't know exactly what'll happen with that power, but
2: I have a problem with the way they're sort of trying to build professional disc golf because it seems like they're trying to build it from the top. Down. Like if we just had better paid pros that would bring Mountain Dew calling and you know, then we'd be bigger than beach volleyball. I like to compare it to professional skateboarding. And long before any athlete made a dime skateboarding, the only people making money in skateboarding were the manufacturers. And and that's where we're at now. But it took such a groundswell, it took a groundswell of Just about everybody on the planet having stepped on a skateboard to cause that groundswell.
0: So so Jack, just to interject, you're saying that we need Paul Macbeth's disc golfer video game to make this all happen? (laughs) Just like Tony Hawk did. (laughs) I think I'm exactly saying no.
2: (laughs) Essentially that before the sport reaches critical mass in participation popularity we can make it a spectator sport which is how exactly no sports ever have worked
0: mm.
2: it's not how baseball became popular you know it's not how basketball started it's not how football started you know and not that this is anything like that but it's not how golf started it's not how anything started there's a groundswell of popularity in every sport that yields these these sort of competitions or pageants
0: but it's gotta be—it's gotta be catalyzed by something that a professional does, though. Like you think about Tony Hawk, and he landed the 900, and he made a video game, and everybody bought the video game, and pretty soon every kid in my middle school had a deck, and they were spending 150 bucks on on complete skateboards. But
2: that was there before Tony Hawk. I mean, no one's made more money in the sport than Tony Hawk, but skate. Sporting was a massive, major countrywide fad making bank for manufacturers in the
0: 80s. Yeah, Peraltas and, and yeah, Santa Cruz. Right. And all and yeah.
2: Sims, Al- Alva. I don't know. It's weird what they're attempting. It's like nothing else. Yeah. To my eyes, it, it's like absolutely no other sport. You know, what sport basically starts with a professional association? You know, what sport
0: starts with an audience. I I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I'm thinking time-wise though. If you think back to when skateboarding started in the 80s, I mean there was a groundswell, you know, coming out of California and it took probably 20 years for skateboarding to develop to the point where you had that Tony Hawk breakthrough. And I feel like disc golf has gone through a similar evolution. Been a similar timeline, too.
2: It doesn't have a similar line. And, and here's why. You can crumple up the first twenty years of disc golf and throw it on the pile. Because Yeah. That's fair. We're gonna say it started in 76 with the first basket course. Mm-hmm. And I don't have it in front of me, but if you look at the timeline, from 76 to 99, not one fucking thing happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the AVR came out in 82, that was it.
2: <laughs> even even the courses, like you know, from 76 to 80 a few courses went in, and from, you know, 80 to 99, like 500 courses went in. And from 99 until now, like 7,000 courses went in. So my point is, you can start talking about the sport in the, like, mid to late 90s. It didn't go anywhere. That's not to say that history is not important, but it didn't experience significant statistically real growth in those first 20 years.
0: Yeah. You can just look at the PGA numbers and yeah, <laughs> right. reduce that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I started in 2014 and I'm
1: 68908. You know, I they I think they're close to quadruple that. Or no, not quadruple, but they're at least triple at this point.
2: Right. Yeah. What do we think the percentage of PGA to actual disc golfers is? Is, is that uh, you think that's 10%. close to 1 in 10? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think What's that? We agreed on 10%.
0: <laughs> I think oh. we have had it in our yep. <laughs> minds. He's yeah, close. <laughs> that, that number sounds good.
3: <laughs> is Paul Macbeth's contract good for Discraft?
2: Wow. Time will tell. I, You know, I, he's selling discs. Is he, is he always going to sell discs?
1: Yeah. You know, the big unanswered question when Paul was with Innova was, is it him selling the discs or are the discs just really good? And when he moved to Discraft, that question was unequivocally answered that, yes, it was Paul. You know, most bags, you would see a few people who threw a lot of discraft stuff, but it was mostly just a buzz or a challenger or a nuke. You didn't see a whole lot of other things, but now I see probably about half the players with a significant amount of discraft discs, if not completely just discraft bags, solely because of Paul Macbeth.
2: Right. I'm just saying, like, let's say he tails off and I don't think he's going to disappear, but let's say he stops winning, you know, regular championships.
3: Let's say his wife kicks him out of the house, and then a couple years later he gets into an accident, and so he never really gets back to where he is right now. Let's just say hypothetically.
2: It's just flipping cars in no time. Yeah. Is he still the greatest of all time? With a pin in his leg?
0: (laughs) He will be when he wins a Masters again on his second comeback. Wow, that's highly speculative. We're still talking about (laughs) Paul, right?
3: Absolutely. We've always been talking about
2: Paul. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he drives a Buick.
3: (laughs) Just a quick stat, uh, the the most recent PDGA number I have, 165931.
0: Not quite. Wow, that's crazy. You know what I will say about this is I think their calculation is they're not making enough money because Paul's discs are selling like hotcakes and he's getting too many royalties. And so they probably slimmed down his royalties, upped his guaranteed contract and his salary. Yeah. You know, one thing that they can do now is print as many of those things as they want. They don't have to worry about them. If Zeus is now the most popular driver mold, they don't have to worry about the fact that that's selling better than yeah. a force, right? right? So that's that's important. Yeah, But I, I do think that as long as they recoup their money, in the first 5 years it'll probably be a good di- a good contract for Discraft and most likely Paul is going to be great to be on the brand for the next 10 years. Yeah. You know, it depends on what he transitions to in that 37 to 40 time frame, right? Like he doesn't do great commentary. That's not what Paul's known for. So it'll be interesting to see what his brand is worth later in the years. The other thing that I think about too is this must Piss off, Calvin Heimberg, Ricky Wysocki, <laughs> Nate Sexton, every yeah. other every other golfer that is. Ju- I would say you know almost as talented. What a couple strokes uh, over eighteen less talented, and you know, and and if you think about Sexton too, his plastic flies off the shelf. Yeah, yeah. You know, where's where's Sexton's ten million dollars? He also is one of the most revered personalities and. Contributes on commentary. But somewhere,
2: you know, Ryan is going to be that split, right? Where guys couldn't. Po- I mean, Feldberg cannot possibly have made any money. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? Yeah. He hasn't made any money and he's not going to, you know. E- but e- even Climo, you know, kind of got to say, like, Climo hasn't made any money at this.
1: Not comparatively.
2: This has to be a break even proposition for guys like that who, you know, have gotten to do some fun things and go to some fun places. And, you know, Climo still has his name on lots of discs. And so I got to hope he's getting some royalties off of those. But at some point, there was always going to be a line across a few years that shows that there's, you know, one guy who can make a living at it and one guy who would have been better off laying tile.
0: Yeah, I hear you. So I just listened to Dave Dunapace's interview with Nate Sexton on his podcast. Yep. And my takeaway from that was that Innova does not give a crap about their professional players at yep. all. It's funny yep. because they have so many, but Dave said, I see them as a promotional tool for for the sport and to sell my discs. And he made some comments that were basically like, Ken was the best disc golfer that we ever repped cuz all he cared about was winning. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> Ken didn't bicker, <laughs> yep. you know, he didn't bicker with right. us. He didn't want money. He just wanted discs to play disc golf and to win. And so he made allusions to, I think rather indirectly to the new players whining too much about money. And the the other thing too that kind of came out of this and it's it's something that I I picked up just based off of some comments that Nate made is that Every single disc that gets made for you, you have to earn, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Sex and Firebird, it's, it's something that, you know, he earned. And so I, I think, <laughs> whereas with Discraft, you kind of look and like everybody that joins there gets a new, you know, gets a tour series and- Yeah, I mean, they built discs stuff. for Paul. Right, right. So it's, it's just really interesting to think about the two, I guess, mindsets. But what's going to happen is- and this is sort of, I'm, I'm predicting this is going to happen over the next like two, three years. People are going to leave Innova in droves and go elsewhere, just like Conrad did. Because when you look at the USDGC AVR that Conrad got, which was just such a dig, it was like they took his AVR and then put a nice, like, you know, under the, the disc stamp, bottom stamp, like little circle thing for it. It's like they put no energy into. Creating things that special, special things for their players. Unless you're, I guess, Nate Sexton, right? So I, I don't know. It just, it seems like there's such a dramatic difference between the two companies.
1: I think that it just goes to their focus. Innova is probably the the largest manufacturer and supplier of disc golf discs anywhere. So they're seeing so much more of their profits come from that nine out of ten players that we're never going to meet that. Also have no idea who Calvin Heinberg is and have no idea that you can watch disc golf on YouTube and no idea of any of that. So they would see such in their mind, probably such a small increase in profits from those things that um, it doesn't make sense for them to treat the players the way that discraft has been. Not saying that they shouldn't, but just saying that they don't. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: So I did a little bit of research uh, yesterday, the day before. Innovo reported $60 million in revenue last year. Whew. And Discraft reported something more like 20. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, And Discraft is the leading manufacturer for Ultimate. So they're splitting their stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah but you need one disc for 20 players, not 20 yeah, discs yeah, for right. one player. <laughs> I'm
1: not saying it's a profitable thing. I'm just saying it's the truth.
2: <laughs> but I, I think Dave's abrasive and, you know, I think Dave Dunapace thinks he's bigger than disc golf, and he definitely thinks yeah. Innova is bigger than disc golf. And that's not true, and it, it's never been true. You know, Innova Innova will be okay where they see a hit to their bottom line. You know, someone, even if it's not Dave, you know, will understand that we need to sponsor some players. We need to get some signatures on discs. And if that's the case, you know, if that's even true, there's a good chance that you know, the biggest selling thing in disc golf over the course of the next 10 years will be starter packs. Hmm. That starter packs may sell more discs than anything else. And then it's just a matter of being on shelves more than anything else. But my expectation is if, <laughs> you know, if, if Innova sees its bottom line going away, that they would be smart enough to see trends. It's actually, discraft is the only thing they can really track. You can't track anything else. Nobody else sells a significant amount of discs.
1: Now, can I go back to pat's um second question is paul's contract good for i mean discraft yes so i think that (laughs) (laughs) hey. um (laughs) so my take on that is it might be discraft betting on the future so if their contract now has paul making less from his own discs that might be them putting some kind of a circuit breaker or a ceiling on what Paul can make off of their success for the next ten years. You know, they, yeah,
0: they hedge their bet. I yeah. think it's good for them because they that. That's exactly what that was. It was a hedge for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I just thought of that.
0: <laughs> Apparently, everybody else already knew. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I think I think it's a uh, good
3: point. Good point.
2: Proud of you, buddy.
0: <laughs> I thought. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Uh, anybody else have any comments about it?
0: No, that was fun. That was a fun question.
3: Yeah. All right, Ryan, what hole?
0: Ah, uh, let's go to uh, let's go to hole two.
3: All right, quiz. Ooh, woo! Since Kenji didn't show, I guess we're going head to head. But I do have a couple bonus questions, Ryan. Since you picked the hole, you get one. Is the yak a disc? <laughs>
0: <laughs> wait, wait! I thought you already asked me this. The yak is not. Oh wait, or were we making up disc names? You Shit. thought,
3: yeah, you were trying to answer, was it, or was it not? Oh, that's
0: right. Oh, damn it. You, it was that humped question. The bearded, mm-hmm. the bearded bison. humped The bison, bison question. Shit. The disc. Now in my mind, whenever it's an animal, I just think to myself, if I add a three to it, does it have a nice ring to it? Like, does yak three <laughs> sound good? And it it sort of does. It kind of does. Oh, yeah. It kind of it, does. It's a V yak three. <laughs> I'm going to say, no, it's not.
3: It's not. You get a bonus point.
0: Whew. All right. Fantastic.
3: And Jamin, I have one for you. Is the llama a disc?
1: Is the llama a disc? Yeah. No, it's not.
3: You are correct. So now Jack's in the hole. Thanks, Kenji. God damn it. <laughs> Your mama's a llama. Uh, let me just get my sheets. Here.
0: Now are you going to ask Jack if the alpaca is a disc? <laughs> sure is. What if the PDGA just
2: has like a submission form and I can just submit them?
0: You have to send them the disc. <laughs> For approval, <laughs>
1: oh, you have to physically send it to him. Yeah, I, I guess there's one guy with just all of the discs. That's funny. They have to do like a, a flexibility test on it and measure it and stuff. <laughs>
3: right, Jack it away. Yes, is the alpaca a disc? No, infinite discs. November sixteenth, twenty
1: twenty. Jugg that
0: right up your ass. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, I love that Jack got the trick question. <laughs> uh, I, li-
3: I literally just looked it up. I didn't think about it until you said that.
0: The, the traps that are
2: set for me on this podcast, listener.
3: All right. So, Ryan, you picked the hole, right? I did. uh The category is disc or no disc weapons.
0: Mm-hmm. Disc Ooh. or no
3: disc weapons. Ryan's going to go first, then Jamin, then Jack. Just to verify, none of you guys got a bonus point. Or no, you too got a bonus point. Jack did not. I didn't,
2: yeah. Starting in the hole. Better be (laughs) some 80s music in here.
3: (laughs) Uh, So Ryan, being widowed by Yakuza was just the beginning of the journey of what member of DC Comics Suicide Squad, whose name means a samurai sword?
0: I would assume the answer is katana, which Innova makes. But can I hear the question one more time?
3: Certainly. Being widowed by Yakuza was just the beginning of the journey for what member of DC Comics' Suicide Squad whose name means a samurai sword?
0: Yeah, that'd be my guess. Katana, made by Innova.
3: Final answer, you are correct.
0: All right,
3: fantastic. And you get bonus point. Jamin, a-, a pestle is used to grind spices and other foods. What is the name of the bowl in which the food is ground? A mortar. Is the mortar a disc? It is. You are correct. Nice. Jack. Yes. What power tool turned deadly weapon features a cutter link, guide bar, kickback guard, and a stop button? Chainsaw. Is the chainsaw a disc? This isn't right. <laughs> no. Black zombie Goddammit! disc golf, January seventh, 2016.
0: <laughs> he is singling you out, Jack. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm being made to pay. <laughs> I deserve it.
3: I got you on Jamie at three and Jack at one. Uh,
0: huh. Huh. I just wanted to hear you say that out loud. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
3: thanks. I really didn't. (laughs) Uh, Question for Ryan. What brand of gum packaged in a red, white, and blue wrapper includes a small comic featuring a black eye patch, blue hat wearing character with each individually wrapped piece?
0: I think that'd be bazooka.
3: Is the bazooka a disc?
0: It's a finishing move to a putt um, that uh, a European man does. I forget his name now. Is it a disc, though? That's a good question. Oh, yeah. Albert, Tam. That's right. Tom, Tam. I'm going to say no, it's not a disc. You are correct. All
3: right. Jamin, an army wedding features an arch of what type of heavy cavalry swords? An army wedding features an arch of what type of heavy cavalry swords?
1: Hmm. I don't know swords.
0: I can guess. Shaber. It began with the bloody S. I'm
1: <laughs> I'm I'm like going through Latitude 64 discs. Like, Is that a sword? I'm going to say Cutlass, even though it's got a ship on it. But I feel like that's the name of a sword, and I'm probably wrong.
3: Jack, do you like to take a guess?
1: God damn it, I was going to say Cutlass, too. Still can.
3: Still can. <laughs> an army wedding features an arch of what type of heavy cavalry swords? I'm going to say Cutlass. <laughs> and no, it's not a disc. Ryan, an army wedding features an arch of what type of heavy cavalry swords?
0: Oh, so nobody got the sword right yet, did they? No. Try cutlass. <laughs> <laughs> schooner. It's schooner.
3: It's not a schooner. It's, it's a sailboat. It's a <laughs> sailboat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you got? You got schmittars and uh, broadswords, long swords. Did you say a schmitar? I was going to say, can you say scimitar one time? Scimitar, schmitar. That's one of those words that you only read and you never say out loud once in your life. Fair enough. <laughs> Until Fair it's enough. on a podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say a scimitar. I'm, I'm going to say a scimitar.
3: Uh, it's a saber. We were looking for saber. I, oh. oh, man. I said that as a joke. Ryan, is, a, is the list saber a Buick? <laughs> Wow. And the Sabre is a disc gateway.
0: Ah, oh, wow. Man, should have gone with my gut there. That was a tough one.
3: Mm. Mm. Uh, this is to Jack, I believe. Question six. What U.S. Navy cruise missile is named after a Powhatan Indian weapon from Colonial Times? Oh, what U.S. Navy cruise missile is named after a Powhatan Indian weapon from Colonial oh, Times? Oh, oh,
0: it's a Tomahawk.
3: Is the Tomahawk a disc? Yes. Final answer.
0: You said that with a question mark at the end. Didn't he? <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> I did. You both? Yeah. Did. That, no,
3: that's who you did, Jack. That's yeah, why mine was a question because yours was a question. Got,
2: it's got to, uh, Yes.
3: Yes. Yes. That's my final answer, Bad. Ryan, who makes the God tomahawk? Damn it! No, 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 Ryan, who makes oh, the tomahawk it's a disc?
0: It is a disc. Um, Take a guess. Who makes it? I would say Westside.
3: Ah, I was looking for Yacoon It was Yakuun.
0: Oh, Yakuun! <laughs> I hate the Yacoon discs. Well, that was, that was so really
3: yes, stressful for me. <laughs> Uh, just want to check something. Real quick. I'm gonna breathe.
0: I was gonna say javelin. So good job, Jack.
3: Mm. Mm. All right, so that's everybody through twice. That's six questions. I got Ryan at five, Jamin and Jack at three, one question each. I uh, Ryan. The toy company Whammo got its name from what product Their first? Because when a projectile hit its mark, it made a Whammo sound. The toy company Whammo got its name from what product Their first? Because when a projectile hit its mark, it made a
0: whammo sound.
2: What makes a wham-o yeah, sound? Yeah, I was gonna ask, can you make that sound for us?
0: <laughs> a whammo <laughs> <laughs> like bow and arrow. I I don't I can't even whammo. What's what makes a whammo sound when it hits something? I'm gonna I don't know. Arrow. Final answer? Yeah, sure.
3: Jamin, do you would you like to take a guess?
1: I'm trying to guess like plastic stuff. I wanna say wiffle ball, but I know that's not a disc. <laughs> um I'm gonna say Lawn dart,
3: Jack. What do you got? I'm at a loss. Ah, uh, right. Read it one more time, Pat. The toy company Whammo got its name from what product? Their first, because when a projectile hit its mark, it made a Whammo sound.
2: Uh, no, pass.
3: <laughs> that's everybody, right? Or no? Uh, yep, that's everybody.
2: All the way around, yeah.
3: We're looking for the
0: slingshot. Oh, oh, interesting.
2: I can tell you firsthand that it doesn't
3: make that sound if it hits a squirrel. <laughs> And and it is not a disc. <laughs> okay. Good uh so this is whom? Uh, my number. Me, I good. think it's. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, Jamin, which weapon first developed in China is often heard during Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture. Which weapon first developed in China is often heard during Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture?
0: <laughs> the cannon.
3: Is the cannon a disc?
0: Yes. Mr. I listen to classical records on vinyl. (laughs) (laughs) You You ask him about Tchaikovsky.
3: (laughs) Jack, in 1139, the church banned what weapon with a rifle-like stock, saying it was hateful to God and unfit for Christians. In 1139, the church banned what weapon with a rifle-like stock, saying it was hateful to God and unfit for Christians. The musket? That's a little early for the musket, isn't it? One more time. In 1139, the church banned what weapon with a rifle-like stock, saying it was hateful to God and unfit for Christians. The crossbow. Mm. Is the crossbow a disc? Yes. Black zombie disc golf, February 26, 2018. Oh,
0: Hell yeah! I bag it. I could have sworn you were wrong. <laughs> good, good, good going on crossbow though. Do, I
2: mean, do you get the bonus point if you're? Uh, well, I guess you get the point. It was one of those putts towards the pond that
3: I hit and Paul doesn't. Uh you guys you guys end up tied at five.
0: Wow. Uh, just the board. <laughs> yeah. Man, I just let my lead dwindle there, didn't I?
3: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh that was one and two. Who hasn't picked, Jamin?
0: Let's go with three.
2: Playing it straight today.
3: Question I'm sorry, hole three. The PDGA announced record growth in twenty twenty. They failed to mention the pandemic in the headline. What are your thoughts?
1: I think everybody knows. <laughs>
3: yeah, I know. Everybody I knows. All right, that's it. <laughs>
0: I say bad reporting. That's it? Is that I, I, yeah, I, that's- bad reporting? Why yeah, bury the lead? Re- I think that's an obscenity. I really do. I think that's that's bad reporting. Well, they lost their media manager Steve Hill, so now they've got like an intern doing it.
3: Mm, makes sense then.
0: How does that not make it into that story? That's that.
3: That's. I didn't read the story. I just grabbed the headline. Yeah, that was true. all I was. <laughs>
1: It could very well be in the story. Then
3: it could be in the story, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I was commenting on the headline, not that the content of the story, Jack.
0: I, I see. Yeah,
3: we don't go in depth here at the Hudson Valley. <laughs>
0: My bad. <laughs> um, All research we do is on the fly.
3: Exactly, uh, Jack. I believe it's your turn to pick a hole.
0: Uh I'm. Uh,
2: we're going to. What, are we going to five now? If you want to skip four, <laughs> you can do that. You gotta play the holes in the five? Yeah, no, nah, we'll go four. Oh, four? Yeah. I'm playing it straight. Okay.
3: Uh actually this is something I don't know. It might be quick as well. Uh the Disc golf pro tour t- to establish tour card in 2022 formalizing event access. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> I'll read a couple uh, bullet points for you. Uh starting in the twenty twenty-two season, the uh, the DGPT will be introducing a tour card available to at least the top seventy-two men and thirty-six women. In the final 2021 DGPT point standings, the tour card, similar to the PGA tour card, that is required to compete in the top golf tournaments, will allow players to register for events early, as well as receive amenities at events, including parking, on-site security, health and fitness services, <laughs> locker room access, where available, and food and beverage services. Breathe, breathe. I think, back. That's, I think that's it. Uh, those that's that's the important points. What do you think? Hmm.
1: I like part of it. Um, I like the exclusivity of it, only giving it to the people who have performed the best the last year. I don't like the idea of opening up the health services and the food and stuff. I feel like that's an unfair advantage, considering that everybody's going to be traveling to the event anyways.
3: That's a good point. What do you think, Jack? I don't know. Can I just mail this one in? Spoiler alert. He can't. What do you think, Ryan?
0: I mean, I think it's it's headed in the right direction. I think you do need to create exclusivity. I think you need to make sure that I can't register for a tournament that you know James Conrad should be playing in, even though I know they already have ratings breaks.
2: Yeah, I mean, it seems to me like the ratings breaks gets that
0: done. It does. It does. It, so if you think about it in terms of the PGA, if you are a, a card-carrying PGA member, your life is – I mean, it's it, you're taken care of for the year, right? So I think that the, the goal would be somebody that earns that card is um, set for set for the year, right? They're they're going to be able to tour comfortably. I just looked and saw that if you are a card carrying member of the PGA, it's not that you get a salary, but if you cash last in every single event, you're still going to make four hundred thousand dollars. Gotcha. So that's so that's nice.
2: Yeah, and and so
0: <laughs> yeah, that is nice. So I think it's something that you know you want to get to. As a, you know, as a sport, um, it does seem rather premature, but because it, it's like, are we really, do, I mean, do we have, I mean, how many cards are they giving out? 72, they said?
3: Available to at least the top 72 men and 36 women in the final 2021 DGPT point standings.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I'm just trying to see. So I'm just looking at the PGA just to understand more about the the card here. By having a PGA Tour card, a golfer can play in PGA Tour events. Many players also receive sponsorship, endorsements, and advertising contracts. Provides the player the opportunity to win large purchases in tournaments.
3: Media availability requirements.
0: That would make sense. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, right?
3: It would replace the existing Tour Pass, a prepaid event registration system for top-rated pros. The finalized details about the new Tour card are expected later this year.
2: What they're building towards, and probably they should be building towards, is, you know, you seeing these same people week in and week out or month in and month out at big events so that this is where, to me, it, it's better for that than just ratings based. You can go, you know, most places and find a handful of thousand rated golfers.
1: So I've got the list up if you want me to go through the top 10 yeah. or something. Five, so- five, five
2: will do because I don't think there's 10,000 rated, are there?
1: I don't think there's two.
2: Yeah.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So um, number one is Steve Brinster at 1014. Number two is Mark Kissner from ah, Cheek that's,
0: that's who I i literally played like three rounds with him down in Florida. <laughs> oh, very cool. <laughs> like last week. Yeah. He's fantastic. Great spin putt.
1: Yeah. Um, it doesn't say what his rating is, but it's higher than 996. Third is Harrison Lorario. I'm going to. Butcher people's name. I used to be a substitute. It's my job. He's nine ninety six. then Dylan Reese is nine ninety six. then um Stephen Heaps is mysteriously rated. they They have people in order, but they don't have their ratings if they're expired.
0: Right. Ah. Wow. So um just to to kind of go over my my Florida experience, so I, I went down to Florida last week because the snow sucked up here, and I got to play five different courses, which was nice in a week. Including uh, Champions Point, which is in uh, Claremont, Florida, which is like um, it's it's in the top 100 of U discs, but I think it was maybe like in the 70s or something like that. But it was still a fantastic course. But I went to like a random like handicap event on the weekend and ran and ran into that guy Mark. So I just kind of followed him around and played some some <laughs> rounds with him, and he showed me around the Orlando area, which was awesome. What it really made me understand is like you see the way that Calvin plays where he can just beam eagles like four fifty, like three feet off the ground. It's because in Florida you need to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yep. all those low hanging oaks with uh Spanish moss on them, it's like, man, every single fairway, I just feel like I couldn't throw I couldn't throw putters because they go too high. So I was throwing like low skipping mids, low skipping T-birds and like flip up, you know, low Enigma shots. And it was like, it was super challenging. So I, I can see how Calvin kind of developed his style because that's, that's what he grew up doing. Interesting. Yeah. Jamin, I feel like you would be very good at Florida golf.
1: I do like my fairways and throwing them hard.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it, it suit your game very well. All right, I'll move.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, now that that's settled a uh, whole five, let's move on. Uh, since you guys are going in order, might as well stick with it. Uh, Jamin, we want to hear about this fundraising disc. Oh. For Christ the King, right? Yes. What is Christ the King? So Christ the
1: King is, it's a retreat center that hosts events and big weddings, all that kind of stuff, um, retreats and camping. It's about 600 acres just south of the Battenkill River or stream where it is. They've reached out to Disc Gap. I think three years ago and said, Hey, you know, I'm interested in building a course. They were looking for a recreation opportunity that was suitable for everybody and didn't need to be manned,
3: hmm.
1: which was their big, they've got like, they've got a high ropes course. They've got a zip line there. There's a, they have a lake. They they wanted things that people could come and do without having to have employees. there running it all the time. And the head chef Aaron grew up in Virginia and spent time in North Carolina. I might have that backwards. Sorry, Aaron. And had played disc golf, and he, he put that out there. And then they got a hold of disc app, or actually, they just posted on the disc app forum. And I swooped in and emailed Aaron, and we got to work.
3: What uh, what style of course would you call it?
1: The front nine is very open, it plays, there's a lot of elevation. I, there's not really a flat hole on the entire course, but the front nine is all open, the back nine is wood. Some people have called it like heaven and hell, um, playing <laughs> on the religious theme, which. <laughs> I like the hell part better. <laughs> it's wooded golf, but its I would think that the woods are closer to what you'd see at some place like Nakamix where you're in the woods, but the fairways are wide enough where you're still able to throw your shots. There's, um, there's really only one hole that I would consider tight, and I think most people in the area would consider tight.
3: You got any leagues starting up in the spring?
1: I tend to overcomplicate things. So last year, I started a singles league where half of your... Registration goes towards a stroke play order. So if you take first in your division in stroke play and you paid $10, you get $4 back for that. But then the other one, the other half goes to a handicap league, which is all of the AM divisions combined. So say a woman comes and plays and she's the only person in her division, but she has an established handicap and she does better than it. She could still win that and win a significant amount of money. So it's it's basically just a singles league that makes me do too much work at the end of it.
3: What do you find about the handicaps? Do you like it?
1: Um, personally, as a pro, I, I don't like them, which is why the pro does not play into the handicap. Um, I find handicaps are a really great way to get pros not to show up to anything. <laughs> but I think I I like them for um, amateur players because it rewards growth. Hmm. Um, you're You're not going to do anything in a handicap league unless you're doing better than you were in the past otherwise growing
3: yeah all right so who does who designed the disc so this <laughs> the stamp of the
1: disc is three circles and on the inside there is the uh, helicopter pad which is kind of the Christ of king's calling card is that there's whole 70s off from an active helicopter pad
3: nice oh it is active i wasn't sure about that
1: it, technically, it's active. Nobody's landed in there in a long time, but it's like part of the local school district's evacuation mm. plan and that kind of stuff.
3: So, we don't want it to be active. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But because it's active, like we had to kind of hide the T sign away a little bit because you can't have anything of height near a helipad. Um, mm. So, anyways, the helipad is in the middle. And then as you go out, it tells you the par of the hole and then the distance and then the hole number so it kind of works as as a scorecard. i originally had the circle divided into slices and the slice was proportionate to the amount of distance that that hole had compared to the rest of the course so if it was a 600 foot par four that slice was twice as wide as a 300 foot hole kind of thing but it as todd said i don't know if i mentioned that todd's the one that designed it todd martin he said it kind of looks like a dartboard, <laughs> so <laughs> he took that out, and that was the that was a really good idea, <laughs> and um, just kind of a good way to introduce the course to people who haven't necessarily played it yet.
3: Did you say what you were using the money for?
1: So we're we're using the proceeds of the discs um, to finish the t pads. We've got six t pads done, including the fact that one of them's a helicopter pad, and we don't have to do anything. <laughs> so we've we've actually done five t pads. We're gonna finish the rest of them in spring in time for the tournament that we're gonna be hosting in late July.
3: Are they still available to discs?
1: <laughs> yeah, so they're they're I did pre-order um and that was incredibly successful. I was expecting about forty pre-order discs. Maybe that. I was that was like my goal. And last time I checked on that, over a hundred.
0: Nice. Holy cow.
1: Yeah, I was blown away by the support from the community um, which is really really great and then i reached out to innova and they said we don't have these discs right now so <laughs> <laughs> so they will remain pre-order discs until innova ups their stock a little bit which might take a few more weeks maybe a little bit longer than that i'm i'm not really sure innova told me to just email them every week and check on stock
0: now is that because you want specific molds or you could have put in an order for like 20 yak threes and you said no. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, when I did the pre-order, I did it for
1: T-Birds turns and Mako threes, just trying to appeal to everybody. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I opened it up to a lot more variety of discs, it would have been hard, but Innova right now, I mean, the last one I got, they were a little bit better on their selection, but the first, first order form that they sent me had like one star disc and it was a star boss and you could only get it in two weights. Yeah, oh, I see. And so they're they were a little bit short, but they're getting better every week. So hopefully, we'll I'll have those sooner rather than later to get out to people.
3: Nice. And you said you were you're not taking any more orders on it. You're holding off, or are you still taking them?
1: Um, I'm still taking them. Uh, as I'm saying this, I realized I haven't checked the Google Docs that I did the orders with in a while. So I might actually have some more orders sitting there. <laughs> oh. <okay. laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna order more over the pre-order numbers so that I will have some floating around and available if anybody wants one later. Nice. Yeah. As a player who's also a teacher, I I get really frustrated every year when the A tier schedule comes out and there's no events above a B tier until like the last week in August. And then there's an A tier every weekend until like (laughs) the middle of October, which is Uh, exactly the worst time for me to take off a Friday. Right. It's a bummer. Yep. But that's I that's serving my own interests. <laughs> Nobody else cares. Sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah.
2: How can we better serve Jamin?
1: <laughs> it's a question that not many people ask, Jack, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> not enough at least. I'm not, gonna see if I can
1: get a command.
2: I've been together. saying it for
3: years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Pat. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Pat. Thank you guys. Uh sweet up Hudson Valley and sweet up Louie the Lover.
0: Louie. Louis. <laughs> Louis.
3: All hail. I think I might be one question short. Let me just check on something. One second.
0: While you do that, I'm gonna grab another beverage.
3: Sounds good. Shouldn't take all
0: right, I am back.
2: Well, that sounds refreshing. It does. Are you pouring (laughs) that right in front of the mic? I am. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way that's three feet away. Jamin asked me if I was an audiophile earlier today.
1: (laughs) We were talking about how to, like, super accurately measure distance on disc golf courses, and it just
0: reminded me of, like, the Monster Cable versus Coat Hanger study. What was the outcome of that study? Because I've recently got into vinyl <laughs> and it's a very, very, it's turning out to be more expensive of a habit than I anticipated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It'll yeah. get you. The outcome to that study is anybody can interpret it any way they want. <laughs> but mm-hmm. basically, what I've heard as a very unfussy person is that you could basically run the sound through an untangled coat hanger and it would be. Um, hard to detect the difference even to a discerning ear.
0: Right. That that's what I've read, which is why I don't get too fussy about things. It's for me. It's like I just like the act of like thumbing yeah. through my records. The and, ritual like, of picking, it. In listening to something from start to finish, uh, instead of you know just yeah. picking out yep. single, it's nice. single songs. It is fun.
1: Yeah. No, I like that aspect of it. I I have a record player somewhere. I used to really like listening to a lot of old classical records on it. I haven't gotten really any new records cuz I've always been like why would I buy analog version of a digital recording? It's still just a digital recording.
0: Yeah, it depends on how it was recorded, right? Yeah. For sure.